the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, the uh, car cast returns after a two-week hiatus. Felt like a long time, didn't it? It did. It felt like months since the uh, last home game. It was. Long trip, and the, the team's been talking about being low on energy after a long trip that this was I mean a home game but felt like a road game because it's just another city on the trip right yeah and it was in not only not only just another city just the nature of the schedule where they played they're playing back to back not back to back but with one day one day game then a day between games and no recovery no, no recovery time really they didn't practice yesterday they were at the rink in Frisco but didn't really practice so um, it still felt hitch Pitch said before these two games uh, tonight against Buffalo, where they won five to one, and Monday against Winnipeg, where it, this just felt like two more games to finish a long road trip. Um, so that being so, it won't it won't officially count as a road win, which the Stars have desperately needed this season. But if that was the mentality, they had the right mentality and obviously jumped out to probably their best start of the season in the first period. And I give a lot of credit to the early goal. I mean, let's face it, the first two minutes. It didn't look like it was going to go well. Stars were hemmed in their own zone for the most part. Couldn't get the puck out. Buffalo, although they didn't create any quality scoring chances, certainly had some zone time offensively. And then all of a sudden, Remy Ellie charges the net, fires one in off of the uh, Roussel shot and in the rebound. I think that just completely changed how the first period was going to be played. Yeah, and everything kind of snowballed from there. I mean, you had... Remy one thing that you look at what this had been happening to the Stars on the road trip was other teams were creating their own luck. I, I think particularly that Winnipeg fluky goal, the one that bounced up. That was in the third period, in the third early period. third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but tonight, just getting the lead and playing yeah. ahead instead of chasing hockey, especially when you're fatigued and having a secondary scoring play, a five-on-five goal. I mean, we checked all these boxes that we, even going into the game, we're talking about they didn't have, the, the depth scoring. And they got that not once, but three times, if you want to count Steven Johns as depth scoring, I mean, it's a defenseman, yeah. but uh, at the same time, like, three guys that were not the Stars' top offensive forward line or John Klingberg. Yeah, and I, I count I count the Johns goal as depth scoring when I look at it, just how it was generated. It yes. wasn't it wasn't Tyler Sagan assisting the goal. It wasn't Jamie Benn assisting the goal. It was Jamel Smith generating the goal. For and, the second time yeah. in the period, and let's face it, that was his best of his two assists mm-hmm. because the first one was technically a shot on goal and a rebound, which, by the way, was an awful uh, play by Robin Leonard as far as rebound control. The first one wasn't great on Roussel's shot. The second one off of Jamel Smith was really putrid, but that's pass by Smith to set up Johns was exquisite. Yes, and the uh, and the while the finish on the first goal wasn't the it was it was quite lucky because Leonard Leonard was terrible tonight. I'll I'll say that. Um, didn't last very long. No, he didn't last very long. Three goals on seven shots. Ten and a half minutes. So yeah, exactly. Right? Twenty-seven. Exactly, so exactly ten and a half minutes. Um, however. Just the spark of that play where Smith carries. If even if they don't score on that play, it's a play where I think the team builds off of because you look at a player like that taking the initiative, carrying the puck, going somewhat coast to coast, stepping around a check, and if that's a shot that is that gets turned away, it's the moment you look at and we're talking about later as hey, 
that was a good shift by Jamel Smith. That's something to build yes. on. So even though the end was, even though the end result was a bit aided by poor goaltending, overall it was a play that just continues to build up, and and it's and it's Stars have been lucky this unlucky this season, and it's they got a break to go their way. Well, zoom there. out a little bit yeah. too because it's not a fluke play by Jamel Smith. No, not at all. After nine healthy scratches, played in the opening night game against Vegas, and then didn't play the next night. When he came back in, he was noticeable. He made yeah. a positive impact. They did it again. They did it for the third straight game and deserves the praise that we will give him tonight because it's this consecutive build of, you know, look, just like Greg Pattern, you had to wait a while. When you get the opportunity, keep a positive attitude and come and make a difference. And those two players have both done that. And they have to be applauded because not playing for a significant period of time is really hard to maintain your sharpness level at any level of hockey. Beer league up to the NHL. And there's a big gap between those two. Really? <laughs> I mean, I just want to say it. I mean, let's not like, confuse things here. Is us, us men's leaguers don't think that really, even though in our heads we have pipe dreams, that we're even close, <laughs> right? So, But the point is, is that no matter whether you're playing in a learn-to-skate league where you haven't played in a while and you feel rusty, to not playing for two or three weeks, it is a normal part of human nature to have rust, even at players at this high, exceptionally elite level. Yeah. And, and Jamel Smith, he, I think he had uh, he had one of my favorite post-game interviews of the year tonight, uh, so far. <laughs> where response. Where, uh, so first of all, we t t t to go back to yesterday, yesterday we, uh, Ken Hitchcock spoke to a couple of media members yesterday, and then he used the same thing this morning, talking about uh, Jamel Smith bringing moxie to the game. That's the word that uh, Hitches like to use with Jamel Smith, that he brings moxie. Have you used that word in the opening couple of games of the season? Yeah. I'm trying to remember... Who it was? Was it Smith? It was Honka. It was, it was Honka, right? It was right? Honka. He so about Honka with Moxie. It's not. We have to keep a Moxie counter going. Yeah. I was, this season, how often will a player get the Moxie tag, and what what does it then lead to? Because so far, good things. Although Honka went down to the AHL, but uh, I would I was actually worried about the. Uh, the you the thought Honka. the Moxie tag was like a Sports Be, Illustrated cover Because Alexiak got the Moxie tag too, <laughs> and so Alexiak has now dropped to uh, oh, seven. You're, I, I you're was, at I one was, out of three. I was I was worried that so I mean Alexiak was a healthy scratch. Honka in the AHL. I was worried that getting Moxie would be a uh, kiss of death. Um, but like, like the owner uh, says to the the coach or yep. GM that we have the utmost confidence in yep. him after a losing streak. Okay. Yes. So I, I was worried that the moxie tag would have uh, would, would, could be a kiss of death death for Jamel Smith. However, played very well. Um, so after the game, I decided to ask Jamel Smith what moxie means. Why not? Jamel had no idea. Um, he said he asked a couple of his teammates. He had a couple of teammates, still doesn't know what it was. Just a, a quick parenthetical footnote, he is an uh, English speaker. That's yes. English is his first yes. language. Yes. Albeit, he's not from the 1920s. A little, yes. little separation yes. there, but right. But So, yes, Jamel had no idea what it meant. Um, and then actually afterwards, not, not even... Uh, after after we had done, finished talking to him, uh, we were laughing a lot a little more. He said he was gonna have to go Google it tonight. <laughs> so, uh, well, and you know what? In a more modern contextual basis, 
Mochi's is the name of Tom Gallardi, owner of the Dallas Stars restaurant chain that he brought to Dallas. It started with one location, but many more up in Canada. I, I, okay, let me set the scene. I've eaten at in Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is where the AHL team played. I, I see, let me set the scene. I actually see a brilliant marketing opportunity for the restaurant right now where you take the cut, you, you open a commercial where, where he says, I have no idea what Moxie's is, and then you have. Then you go, you cut to Jamel Smith at the restaurant, trying different dishes, and it, I mean, this is an ad campaign waiting to happen. Jamel Smith and Moxie's. So for Seinfeld fans, that's like Ovaltine. It's gold, Jerry. It's gold. <laughs> it's gold. So, um, Moxie's. Um, <laughs> which doesn't, I, de which, which doesn't, I derailed you easily. <laughs> which doesn't sponsor this podcast, but if they'd like to, we're open for options. Um, yeah, I mean, how about... Uh, Sponsorship for a, in a, a trade for meal yeah. vouchers or something. Anywho, after, it's good food. I've had it before. Yeah. It's delicious. After the Moxie's question, uh, John Klingberg had talked about Jamel Smith and said how Jamel Smith makes everyone laugh on the ice. And so we asked, we then asked Jamel, um, how do you make everyone laugh? And Jamel said, well, I don't think they're laughing. I don't think they're laughing at uh, with me. They're laughing at me. Um, and they're not laughing at my, and I don't think they're actually laughing at my jokes, but if I can bring that to the team, cool. Um, so he really brushed it off, even though he thinks he might be the actual brunt of their joke. Their yes. Laughing. He, uh, so I... There may be need to be a more of a deep dive into this. Yes, there may, there may Investigation be. of just what does Jamel do that provides so much humor and hilarity to the rest of the players on the bench or on the ice. Yeah, I mean, it's... Love it. In-depth, uh, in-depth uh, investigation may be needed. On Should this. we splice in the Joe Pesci, Goodfellas, I'm a clown. I make you laugh. <laughs> I amuse you. We should. All right. Well, it's, if as the car cast continues to evolve, we can start dropping in movie quotes. I do. I mean, we technically have another hour of daylight savings, I guess. Yes, but if this drive home takes an extra hour, I'm going to get upset. Yes. How about you? Yeah, I would. I would also yes. be upset. So. Okay. Um, Jamel Smith was good. Remyelli was uh, Remyelli. I thought Remyelli. I thought Remyelli had kind of hit a wall lately, and I thought tonight he actually took a little broke through that a little bit. Well, the previous two games where Jamel Smith came in and looked good, yeah. And we thought I actually thought that when they said Smith is coming back in, that with Hansel coming out mm -hmm. and then Richie coming out, that that or I didn't we didn't know that Richie was going to be yeah. out for the Winnipeg game. It kind of thought, oh geez, well that might be Ellie. Yes, gets the scratch. Those last few games, he was, I don't want to say non-existent, but not as noticeable. No. He made more of an impact tonight. And he made an impact tonight. He was, uh, he played well tonight. Um, Antoine Roussel was, pes was, was, was pesky to play against the entire night. Roussel. How about that shift that led yeah. to the oh, Roussel's yes. goal? I mean, first of all, if anybody needed a goal, it's, well, one of them is Antoine Roussel. Yeah. There are a few others on the Stars list because better. Jason Spezza. Well, that's number one, I yeah. think, right now. Yeah. But Stars uh, coming into tonight's game, Sagan, Ben, Radulov, and Matthias Yanmark, who has three goals this year, combined for 22 goals yep. as a force. The other 10 forwards that are on the Stars roster that dressed and didn't dress tonight had six yes. coming into tonight's that game. That includes a couple empty netters, Two too. from Tyler Pitlick. Yeah. One from Martin Hansel, which was an empty net goal, and one other goal. Yeah, and then Roddick Foxa had the very uh, lucky one. Which was the Foxa goal. Yeah. That was it. So, so now tonight, you get Ellie, you get Foxa, you get Roussel. 
mean, yeah. that's that's more than enough secondary scoring. The question is, how do you get that to balance out on a night-to-night basis, where you get one or two from that group? Because yeah, boy, it takes the pressure off the top guy, the yeah. top line. And, and not even, I not only was that a hell of a shift. Where they, I feel like they held the puck in for a good. I want to say over a minute. I felt like there was at least one line change. There might have been almost getting ready for I a think second it was one, but. Yep. Uh, Ask John Klingberg about it after the game. Because Roussel stayed out there yeah. when Sagan and Radulov yeah. had come on, but Ben had not. Yeah. yeah. So I asked John Klingberg about it after the game, and he brought up the point. If this is true, and I can, if this isn't just BSing, this is actually something that, because I see it in practice all the time, he talked about how much he and Roussel actually work on that in practice, just shooting and tipping pucks. And that was kind of a neat element, too, just to see a guy who does work extremely hard on that in Roussel. So not only did it reward him in his effort, but just in the little things he does in practice every day. And that that's what can only boost his confidence. It's good to see the work that you do off the game time, in the, on the practice ice, translate and pay off into success in games. I mean, that's you can say, well, you know, he works so hard, but he's just not clicking for him. When it pays off, that's the ultimate, isn't it? I mean, that's oh, yeah. the whole goal. Is First and foremost, no matter what you do, you want to win a game. Yeah. Secondly, you want to have a good individual performance within the context of your team winning. I mean, that was the Patrick Line discussion going into the Winnipeg game last Thursday was he played, uh, you know, the team had won four straight, then five straight, but he, in, the, in the, the previous four, he hadn't scored a goal. And goal, goal scorers obviously evaluate themselves on whether or not they put the puck in the net. And he said, well, I don't feel like I'm really helping my team, even though we're winning. Yeah. So this, yeah, you want to have that. He's worked in, and then, so speaking of goal scorers, scored the game-winning goal tonight, uh, left the game in the second period. Uh, Radic Foxa. Boy, when he was out there, he was fabulous. He was fabulous. He was um, he was selected as the third star of the night by Mark Stemeski, and I actually agree. You put your stamp on that? I, I agree with that. I thought, I thought in the game that the Stars came out and won it like they did early, I thought he had such a big impact on the game. Yeah, and well, I, he hit the game winner. Yeah, he hit the game winning goal, and so I thought he. Um, I was worried when he went off because just as someone who has seen, has a history of injuries and seen it before, it was one of those where I was kind of I was kind of worried about that. Um, How many times do you see a football player, uh, yeah. lineman? I guess it doesn't matter, yeah, but yeah. it seems like it happens a lot because they're in the scrum of the, yeah. the line of scrimmage. But how many times do you see a football player get a leg bent back and, and be injured for a while? Yes. And you can see it immediately. He was in pain. He was hobbling, trying to, to skate off. He needed some help. Uh, had a, Stars at the end of the second period issued an update saying he was questionable. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I, they make their own decisions on how they do stuff that way. I just thought that there was no way that he was coming back. I was hopeful, but it just looked like he was done for the night. I also maintain that even if he could have gone tonight when you're up 5-1 to one, going into the third, you don't bring him back. That's the other thing that I would have... I hope, optimistically, I want to hope that that's the decision of yes. maybe he could have, but let's not let's not yep. risk it. Uh, we'll find out more after yep. Sunday's updates. Yep. But, you know, again, Sean, I hope I'm not overanalyzing this. I said that this is the post-game show. When you heard Hitch say... We'll let you know the number of days after we evaluate tomorrow morning. Yeah. When he's a number of days, that to me sounds like more than just Monday, and probably Monday's out of the question. Yes. I, I'm hoping that maybe it's not as bad as it sounds, but the good news the good news is 
good news is with the schedule this week, if it is a three, four day thing, it could only mean one game. Because of conceivably. The, conceivably, because they play Monday, then they have to Friday. Which they um, desperately need after this yes, long stretch. Yes, and that's a tough game on Monday. It's Winnipeg. Winnipeg is, yeah. I posed this question to Bruce on our post game show, so let me ask yeah. you. Uh, and I don't want to sound negative here, but Pitlick was hurt in the third period. He's yes. also missing his day to day. I know that Martin Hansel is supposed to join the team in practice but tomorrow. But Hansel won't play Monday. That's that's so already they, they've been, already established. They, they've that. already so, established that. So Neither Pit, will Brett Richie. We don't know if Pitlick will play. Mm-hmm. But we can, if we assume Fox is out for this exercise, right, right? If we assume that both players are unavailable, it means you need to call up two because the Stars don't have a healthy scratch at forward right now. Correct. With both Richie and Hansel uh, on the shelf proverbially. Texas Stars playing tonight in Stockton, California. They lost one nothing. It was a close game. Landon Bow with the game. Mm-hmm. Good to see him get yes. a, a low scoring game, even if it wasn't a win. Yes. But one goal against usually was pretty good. But yeah. the question is, who would you tag? And you follow the Texas Stars even more closely these days than I do. I'll, I'll let you know what my thought is and what came to my book. Who do you think would be the candidates if they had to call one or two? Well, the easy candidate for number one, and he stood out. He stood out, and he's looked like the best player, and he's done. He's been. He looks like he's above that level. Is uh, Curtis McKenzie? Mm-hmm. Curtis McKenzie is your first choice, and Curtis McKenzie is the first person you pull up. Do you think that? And something Bruce pointed out: the nature of the style of game, the heaviness that Winnipeg plays, the testiness the two teams have against each other, also benefits from the style of game that Curtis McKenzie can play. I believe so. I think I think I think he can step in and he can play that physical game. He can also come in. He's going to work hard. We know Curtis McKenzie is going to come in. And never, work hard. never a doubt. And we also know that Curtis McKenzie is going to come in motivated to show that if he comes and gets called up, Curtis is a guy we know who will come up and work his ass off. Well, to he's be about game. to be deposed, or he has been deposed by yeah. two younger guys, yeah. Jamel Smith and Remy Ellie. So, Curtis McKenzie's one. Um, the second one's interesting because it is. Now, let me just throw the caveat on there. Dennis Gurionov is probably not an option. Didn't play tonight in Stockton. Because he is sick. Dennis Gurionov right. did not play due to Here's illness. the question. If he wasn't sick, is he still an option? No, he is not. Because he's not ready yet. He's, right? not, he's not ready and he hasn't been good down there. That's the other well, thing. That's, that's yeah, so yeah. Here's the, the other part of the, the credential here is that there are a couple of players that had very good training camps yes. that Ken Hitchcock would be inclined to want, or Jim Nill might say, because of what they did. Hey, they earned it. Ellie was one of those guys who got sent down, but yeah. quickly brought back up. Jason Dickinson. Jason Dickinson has gotten a chance to come up because he played well in camp, and they said, well, if there was space, yeah. he would have made the roster for opening night. The question is, is that can they carry that over? And the reason why I bring this up is Rope Hintz. Hintz was one of the guys that very much in training camp and preseason games was on the, the short list yes. to make the NHL roster, but he was a young guy, and numbers game, etc. Has he maintained that as he goes through his first pro season in North America? Um, I maintain that Rope Hintz is not ready right now. Right. I, I believe that he has, he has maintained what he was doing in training camp, and he has been... I enjoy every time I watch Rope Hits, I am more impressed with every showing. But there are still things every showing that I notice like, hey, he tracked back better or he recognized this play better. There are still those things and those little parts of his yep. game that would be exposed at the NHL level. So with that in mind, who would be your second candidate behind McKenzie, assuming that Pitlick, as well as Foxer, would be able to go on Monday against the Jets. Justin Dowling. 
okay? Any other option? I'm not saying that's not the right choice, because he's one of the two that I thought of. Is there anybody else that you would think of? Um, and this is a little unfair, because I stared at the roster that played tonight before I made and, my choice. And you're, and you're, I know, and you're just throwing this question to me live. I mean, who was the other name you considered? Okay, right, and that's why I brought yeah. The only other one I thought of was Brian Flynn. Because he has a couple hundred games of NHL experience, and he might be reliable. I actually think Dowling would be a great option behind McKenzie because I like the flair he brings, and I think the Stars' bottom six guys have lacked a little bit of that skill. Um, but I'm just throwing out an yes. idea of who could be an option. I think it's McKenzie first. Dowling is a great option. I, I think Flynn might be a thought. Um, I think I, I, don't, I, actually, I don't know. I don't Brian, know how Brian, well he's played out. Brian Flynn was actually very good the other night, um, and he's been good. I, Flynn's kind of the guy who kind of flies under the radar down there because he doesn't have the prospect tag. He well, it's, it's, yeah. it, he's in a sense, although yeah. they play a bit of a different game. He's yeah. last year's Adam Crockett. Exactly. Or this year's Adam yeah. Crockett. Yes. Um, the veteran guy that has NHL experience, but probably tagged for AHL depth. Mm -hmm. we, in a pinch, we could call him up. Well, this yeah. might be a pinch. So yeah, I would. I, between the two, I would uh, I would pick Dowling. Still go Dowling. I, I would I would pick Dowling, but I would not be I would not be shocked with Flynn. I will say that uh, right. he's, he's been good lately. Um, he's also uh, he's he's played he's 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 done a little bit of those things where when he scores, he's getting the dirty goals. He yep. had two goals the other night against uh, Bakersfield. Um, I really thought it was him. There was. It was a very bad AHL live video feed, <laughs> uh, but uh, I actually thought they were. I thought it was hints first because the numbers you could hardly read the numbers. It was in the scrum, but uh, but not to cover it, isn't it? Yeah, some of the AHL live. It's, it's funny. Some of the, like I actually now when doing prospect viewings on AHL live now, I look forward to like they're playing San Jose and San Diego this weekend. I know those two teams have really good feeds. And right. uh, I know those two; those teams have really good feet, so I'm looking forward to watching those two games because clarity of visit, clarity and resolution, clarity as opposed to watching the Bakersfield Bakersfield view, which looked like I was watching a game like an old Oilers game from the '80s because of the because uh, <laughs> of the jerseys that the Oilers because of the, the Condors wear. So, I didn't want to totally hijack this yeah. carcast to AHL talk. I mean, but it's you, but it's a fair point. You and I are particularly interested in it because of our AHL background, but but it's 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 a right. pertinent point now. It's so here's let 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 me as I you, I kind of let you host this one yeah. time, but let me turn yeah. this around to you yeah. again because there is no total guideline here. Yeah. So no, not at all. When you look at tonight's performance and you couple that with what Ken Hitchcock said about Kari Lettinen, and if if he plays well, he opened the door a little bit. He could get some more starts. Now. Are we back to what the original plan was before the season where we want Ben Bishop to play 50 or 55 games and Kari to get about 25 to 30, whereas after a couple of opening games where Ben got hurt and then Kari didn't have a great performance, it felt like you had to go with Bishop every night. Are we back to normal or do you think the plan has changed even from there? I think we're still where we were before this game tonight. I mean, it's one of those where, yes, Kari made 27 saves on 28 shots tonight. However, a couple of good ones. A couple of good ones. The save on Scandella through through traffic. That was a nice I save. I know Opozo uh, didn't get a lot on that shot on yeah. the power play, 
in the third period, but the left pad save on that was yeah. very good. It, it should have been a goal. It was a good save, but also if it's, I didn't like where his glove was. And this is me being overly critical. Sean is very specific about goaltending technique. This is over. I mean, being overly critical, but his glove is his glove is not an effective spot there. If Ocposo lifts that puck at all, I. Side note, I did not like your glove save at the Seve Nooner a week ago Friday with the uh, the missing padding on the palm. That was, Player's glove, by the but way. That was a highlight, though. Um, <laughs> it was both a highlight and a low light. Whatever. Um, <laughs> the uh, but uh, so the goal, the that save, I I didn't like where his glove was on it. And this may be an overly critical. Um, I didn't like the goal against tonight. I felt like he should have had a shutout. I felt like he should have held that goal. Um, I think with the workload he faced tonight, Kari only could have hurt himself. Frankly, just there's. I don't think. If, if there's Do you the, think there was enough testing to I don't make think, him stand on his head? I, yes, exactly. I don't think there was enough tonight for Kari. There wasn't enough there for Kari tonight to be. Even if Kari had a shutout tonight, you would be like. Not a lot of, of yeah. uh, odd man rushes. There was one breakaway, unfortunately, yeah. for Buffalo Sabres. Jack Eichel lost control without really and, any impediment. And we were actually talking about just because Mark Mathot actually did get a, get a tap on him. We were actually wondering. I, I wouldn't have called it personally as a slash, but with how the NHL has called things, if this was still I wasn't in, sure if he even made contact. It yeah. looked like Eichel just, just mishandled But it. if we were in the preseason crackdown, it would have easily been the slash. Could have been. Yes. Um, but I don't think there was any opportunity for tonight for Kari to to jump up and, and be, you know what, he's got to start, he's got to be a starter, he's now 1B, everything yeah. like that. Um, I still don't. I still think we don't see him start again until the back to back when they have. I believe it's Carol. They go on the Tampa. Carolina, Bay. Florida, right? Yeah, they go. They go Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. I'm not sure. I think it's it's uh, the Florida game is the second night. Okay. I, we looked at that because after Kari's performance against Calgary, you kind of went, "Geez, you know, the way things are going, he could go three weeks or two and a half weeks yeah. until he played again, which would be." That game in Florida, it also sets up the second night of a back-to-back. Carolina is by far a better team than the Florida Panthers Much right now. Team, yes. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think you got to go Bishop. Oh yeah. On Monday, I think he's the island. The game against the Islanders, and then then you go to Carolina. Kari has had great numbers against the Hurricanes from his you know long experience of playing, even even against the the Thrashers. <laughs> I wonder. I I, I think. It might be that Florida game. Yeah, that's... And, that's and then the, the one after that, by the way, is in Tampa. Yeah, and, and there's, Bishop, there's no, no way. There's no <laughs> way yeah. in his first game back to Tampa since playing for the Lightning for so long <laughs> that Ben Bishop doesn't start that hockey game, right? No, no of course. I ben, mean, that's, ben, ben, that's ben, been triple circled, yeah, ben, I think. Ben Bishop gets that game no matter what. So, Kari acquitted himself well tonight. Let's not, let's not rip on him or anything no, like yeah, that. I don't but think there, he did anything there's, there's, wrong. There's, there just wasn't... There wasn't the workload there for him to... Uh, there wasn't the workload there for him to actually go and, and jump ahead. I and mean, credit to the Stars for getting a lead yeah. and staying within their structure and not giving up a lot of turnovers that would give... Look, Buffalo has some very, I think, dynamic offensive players. Mm-hmm. They kind of remind me a little bit of the Stars a few years ago where you say, wow, there's some impressive names on that forward group, yeah. but their defense is banged up. Uh, boy, the, uh, no, the lack no, of no, Ristolainen yeah. and Bogosian... Uh, even Josh Georges, who's been on IR for a while now, they have two or three guys that should be in their top six that aren't even on the ice. Tennyson should not be playing 20 minutes a night. He was... Uh, well, he, 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 Taylor Fadoon was yeah. an excellent AHL yeah. defenseman for Oklahoma City. I just don't know if, yeah. if he's one of your top six in, an, in a good NHL team. And no. that's not... 
an indictment on him. It's just that, look, risk the line and when you lose a guy that plays 27 minutes, yeah. that's like your number one defenseman there. Ristolainen's low game for minutes played coming into before he was out tonight, his low game for minutes played was 24-42. <laughs> like, that's his low, low game. That's his low game. He was averaging 27. He's had a couple. He hasn't hit 30 yet, but he had a couple where he was flirting at 29, 30, 20, 29 minutes, 30 seconds. So. It's hard to give Buffalo a full evaluation when they're missing so many defensemen, and, I think. And that's, and that's the... But tonight, you know what? Their goaltending didn't help them out. No, their goaltending didn't help them out, and... Uh, just the way they responded as a team to Dallas, they, they just didn't respond. Like Dallas came out, and when Dallas when Dallas took a one nothing lead, Buffalo just gave. I don't want to say they quit, but they. Well, and the Stars, the, there's two sides to that, right? Yeah. One is how do you get a response, and the second is what does it do for the team that scores? And I think the Stars got a big lift mm-hmm. on that one, and then they had another one as Fox scores. You have two. Of your not top six lines yeah. scoring, and then you get John scoring with the, if you want to call it their fourth line, the Jamel Smith group on the ice, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it's three nothing. Then you get a power play, and boy, did that not look like a well-oiled machine? Oh, I mean, yeah. it was 39 seconds from the beginning of the power play to Sagan's goal, and actually, when you watch the replay, you realize that he kind of miffed it, or whiffed on it a little bit. It was more of a change-up that beat yeah. Chad Johnson. But look, I mean, Radulov to Klingberg to Ben or to Sagan looked like it was automatic. Like there's no thinking involved. No, the power plays. The power plays clicking right now. Oh. That's. I mean, it's it's as far as a level of competition goes. It reminds me, and obviously, it's, but it reminds me of the team we covered that won a Calder Cup. Just with, with, with their, yes, just they as, were the best yes. in the AHL, and you knew that they were going to have a really good chance to score. Yeah. By the way, Curtis McKenzie was a part of that. He one. was a big part of that. I want to say this, Sean, though, is that I don't think, and I don't want to. I I've said this in the post game show tonight. I don't like to rail on the referees too much. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets passionately fired up once in a while. I really don't think that the Stars will have zero power play chances on Monday against Winnipeg like they did in Manitoba last Thursday. No, I agree. That was a surprise for me. I know Winnipeg's trying to crack down mm-hmm. on their disciplinary problems of previous seasons, but that was bizarre. It's it's not the reason they lost, but it was no, bizarre. No, but it didn't help. Yes. Right. Um, speaking of Winnipeg and kind of, I guess, penalty minutes, one thing, we didn't, neither of us covered this guy, but it was... You had him on your post game show tonight. I talked to him this morning. Oh, he was fun. Shane, Shane Churla, who was the uh, I guess the Stars' original enforcer, because he was he moved with the team from Minnesota to Dallas, and one of the rock stars on the early Dallas Stars lineups. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was as popular early on as Mike Madano and whoever was starting in goal. Yeah, and that he, was. I thought Craig Ludwig had an interesting comment. They were at, we talked about about Churla with. Luddy and Razor before our game tonight uh, in the pregame show, and he said that it was one of that when the team, a road team goes somewhere else back then, the three biggest players, the most notable to the other team's fans are the starting goalie, the leading goal scorer, and the tough guy. Yeah. And Churla was that tough guy. There was, uh, just to kind of give you an idea of something, so I've been doing a bunch of research for my book project that's come out, comes out a year from now. Well, you got to mention Churla in that Yeah, thing. and so I've been going, I was going through, and there's, uh, there's two uh, fight moments in Dallas. There's the two biggest kind of overall brawls in Stars history are, um, there was a, there was the uh, 
fight with the Ducks, which involved two people on the Stars broadcast right now, one playing for Anaheim and Brett Severin, and, 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 uh, and one, uh, and then uh, actually caused by Craig Ludwig basically squishing Timo Solani's head with his elbow. Uh, but the other, the first one, and this is actually, this game still holds the record for the most fights in team history. Right. Um, was on uh, New Year's Eve in 1993, where they played the Chicago Blackhawks. And in that game, Churla gets into a fight seven seconds into the game. And there is just, it's, they're both throwing haymakers. They're actually, there's actually a stretch in that game. I watched the video from it recently uh, where the linesmen get in and the linesmen are just getting pummeled because neither guy is stopping. Um, on the very next faceoff, there's another fight. And I'm, there's, a, there's, a, there's another fight, um, I believe, featuring Tenorti. And this time, the, the, the ref points to both linesmen and says, just let him go. And they let him go and just tire each other out. Right. And then everything kind of settles down for a little bit. Then you go to the third period, and then there's five more fights in the third period. Wow. And it all started with the uh, the churl about just se seven seconds in. And that kind of harkened back to the old... Uh, um, and you can argue whether the Stars have a rival or not. I mean, I've, I've argued they don't have a huge rival, and that's a conversation for another day. But you, can, you can't... Back in the 1980s, the North Stars Blackhawks rivalry was legendary oh. with all the fights. Um, well, I, and don't yeah. forget, Basil McRae was a part of that too. Yes. Another big North Stars tough guy, and he played with Churla mm -hmm. even on the same line. And boy, having a one-two punch—pun kind of intended—yeah, to have those two out there at the same time, there, there's some intimidation there. Yeah. So Churla actually asked Churla about the old North Stars Blackhawks rivalry today. He said it, we, he called it the Chuck Norris division. Uh, <laughs> and, he's, and he said how well He's it's, quick with a one-liner, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, it, it was interesting also to pick a guy's brain who... Uh, well, let's just point out this, Sean. Yeah. Uh, I had never met Shane Churla until tonight. We had him yes. on our post-game show. Mm -hmm. And I used the word cerebral. He's a very thoughtful player. Uh, and look, in all of my... 15 years of being a professional hockey broadcaster in the minors and up to the NHL now the tough guys and we had a lot more of them in the minors than we do now in the NHL at, at least today uh, have always been some of the biggest personalities some of the best at fan interaction some of the nicest people period mm -hmm. yet some of the, the the toughest scary mean angry on the ice and more of a teddy bear off and most of them yeah. There are a few exceptions, but for the most part, they've been some of the easiest interactions of a group of players and hockey players in general, pretty easy to interact with from broadcast media PR perspectives. Uh, and, and he's no different. He's very friendly, but he's a smart hockey mind. Some tough guys are really friendly, but just out there because they know they can do one thing. He's not a one-dimensional person. No, I mean, you look at his job right now. He's the director of amateur scouting. He's for the Joe McDonnell yeah, yeah. of Montreal. Yeah, he watches, he told me today, he watches uh, He watches more than roughly 230 games a year. crazy. That's a lot. I mean, so Jim Nill, who is, of course, the, on the pro side, but yeah. has to do both, I mean, they see a lot of hockey. Yeah, and he was, it's, it's, and he has a, it was interesting talking to him, picking his brain, too, just about, not only just the fighting and everything like that, but just the things about what he does now and how he's kind of stepped into that role because it's... From a, a hockey standpoint, it's fascinating. Yes. From an entertainment standpoint, all you got to do is, and I learned this very quickly, either one of them, Greg Ludwig, Shane Churla, just start asking, so he was your roommate on the road, and they just start chuckling. 
and they yeah. don't say a lot on the air, which suggests that they can't say a lot on the air. At yeah. least it's not appropriate. But boy, I we both of them mentioned stuff on our radio broadcast tonight, and I'll bet you if you could put Luddy and Churla together somewhere and have them just talk, mm-hmm. it could be just legendary conversation. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of fun together, I think. Oh yeah. By the way, Churla maintains that he controlled the remote in their hotel room, <laughs> which suggests that he was the king. Luddy may argue that. Yeah. Well, he uh, it was it was also he brought up an interesting it was interesting also to pick his brain today too. Um, I also picked uh, Sebi's brain about it too today. Just speaking of Winnipeg coming up, and he got a great quote about yeah, it. Yeah, this might be a nice way to wrap it all up. Um, where Jamie Benz fought the fight against Dustin Buffalo the other night. And there probably won't be a rematch on Monday, but you never know. There probably won't be a rematch. Um, but the uh, we, we discussed that, and I asked both of them about it, and both of them were very appreciative of what Jamie did and being a captain doing it. And uh, I loved the comments from Seve about how if you are going to fight, you got to stay in your pay grade. Not your weight class, right. your pay grade. Um um, as in, you've got, if you're fighting somebody... If you're, you're a superstar, stay away from the fourth liners, he was yes. saying. Or, if you're a fourth liner, go ahead and give it a shot. But the pay grade guys are probably going to turn you down. Exactly. The high price guys. Mm-hmm. No, I like that, though. But yeah. I mean, think about the trade-off, right? Yeah. You, I don't think that, ultimately, in games that you're trying to win, you want your one of your best offensive players and your captain off the ice for five minutes. Mm-hmm. But... If you take Dustin Bufflin off, who's one of their big minute munchers on the blue line, it's not as bad of a trade-off as if you took, say, Tyler Sagan and the fourth-line winger for any team. I mean, or, or whatever. It's, some of those times, you just don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought, interesting. Yep. Well, it's... Uh... It's a uh, good car cast. We are, we've made it back. The, the length of CarCast will be determined by who's driving and which destination because there's a little difference in drive time. Uh-huh. So some might be a little longer. And then when the other guy's driving, it might be a little shorter just because you reach the destination where we have to part ways a little quicker. Yes. So we will uh, we will be back on Monday, and we will uh, be discussing the game against the Jets. Everyone have a wonderful evening. I guess you won't be listening to this evening, but if you are up late with that extra hour, this would be a great way to spend it.